Good morning. And go Broncos. <laughs> Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Jerry Haley, and I serve as personnel chair in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Gracious Father, your might is beyond measure, your wisdom beyond knowledge, your love beyond all telling. You have put eternity into our hearts and made us hunger and thirst for you. Satisfy the longings you have implanted that we may find you in life and find life in you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
God's love is unconditional and God's grace is abundant for us at all times. God is ever more ready to hear than we are to pray. In that sure knowledge, let us pray our confession together. Merciful God, you made us in your image with a mind to know you, a heart to love you, and a will to serve you. But our knowledge is imperfect, our love inconsistent, our obedience incomplete. Day by day, we fail to grow in your likeness, yet you are slow to be angry with your children. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, do not hold our sins against us, but in your tender love, forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. God has dealt with us in tender love. Our sins have not been held against us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God, let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us now greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. Delighted that the sun is shining. Yay. We were beginning to doubt in his existence. 
We are thankful that you're with us and we hope that you will let us know of your presence by signing the friendship pads which are in the pew and pass those along to your neighbor, noting those folks who are sitting close to you. We invite you to join us for some fellowship underneath the tree in this beautiful morning and for the chance to sign up for things that are available, ministries that are outlined in our bulletin. And we certainly call your attention to not just our bulletin, but also our website and our Facebook page. If you are online, we would love to have you surf our website and uh, take note of all the different opportunities that uh, exist there, as well as our Facebook page, which we try to keep current each day, uh, that will alert you to things that are happening in our uh, life here at Church of the Palms. Yesterday, we, uh, we commissioned, uh, we sent off our first Honduras team, and off they went to Honduras, and we uh, know that they have arrived safely, and we look forward to hearing good reports back from them. And then this coming Saturday, we will send team number two off as well, so please keep them in your prayers. We uh, will not have class tonight um, for our uh, series of the love languages of God. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> they'll tell me about that later. So we will not be having our class this evening. And so you, uh, if you notice in your bulletin, it's listed there and uh, we, we encourage you to come next week because tonight there's another event going on um, <laughs> that people will be watching on television and we'll talk about that later. Today is uh, Boy Scout Sunday. You were greeted by uh, handsome young men in uniform on their way in, on your way in today. And uh, we thought this would be a great chance for us to recognize those of you who have ever been a Boy Scout. So if you've ever been a Boy Scout, stand up. Look at that, yeah, all right. <laughs> Wonderful. And those gentlemen that uh, are around, just make sure that you uh, find them after the service and uh, shake their hand and congratulate them and tell them how happy that you are, that they are uh, a part of that important part of our, of our community. Over the past uh, few months, we have been uh, celebrating uh, the ministry of two great people in our midst. In fact, just last week at our annual congregational meeting, we uh, took the chance to thank uh, Ray Angle and Maxine Colgate for their very long service as clerk of session and clerk pro tem, which means clerk's assistant. And uh, Ray Angle has been serving as clerk of session for 17 years and has uh, also been serving as the secretary of the congregation at all of his congregational meetings. But uh, we've not yet had the chance. We celebrated their ministry at our session meeting. We did it at our annual meeting but we wanted to make the, uh, take the chance to recognize Ray and Maxine for their uh, ministry in our midst. Ray, we have a, a little um, acknowledgement of ministry for both of you, Maxine, and we just wanna say thank you so much for the ministry that you have performed for us. Would you please stand? Steve told me I have to keep this short because we all know all here about Peyton Manning. <laughs> it's been my pleasure for the 17 years to work with the many elders that I have met and enjoyed serving with. Keeping minutes is an easy item. Transcribing them is not so. And thank you for a dear wife that I have who will sit across the room from me as I dictate and say, are you ready? Yes. Well, you don't have it in order. Just a minute. I'll get it in order. 
wait a minute, I'll find it. And back and forth, back and forth. Well, bottom line is, we've done it. We've done it the way we like it to be, and I think we've done it well. The other person who has been very, very faithful to me is Maxine. I don't think I can tell you how faithful it is to have someone who you can turn to anytime you need, whether you're going out of town or you don't feel well, or you need someone to help you. And Maxine has always been there for me, and for this I thank her very much. Maxine. Thank you, Ray. I just want to say that last night while watching television, one of the characters said, everybody should get a gold star. And today, I think I got mine. Thank you. As uh, we um, say thank you for ministry well done, we want to also welcome uh, a new uh, ministry team member, and that's Kathy Robinette, who will be, uh, who has already begun to coordinate our food service over in the campus center and throughout our campus. And Kathy is no stranger to us. She's been ministering in our midst over the last year or so, but she has now taken over for uh, the good work of Nancy Brown. And we just wanted to have Kathy stand and for you to recognize her as well. So. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we give back to you in thankfulness what you have given to us in loving kindness. We acknowledge that the world and its resources are not ours but yours, and that you have put us in charge as your trustees. Help us to exercise responsibly the authority you give us in your world. Let Jesus, your Son, be the pattern for all our dealings with one another and with the rest of creation. Bless the gifts we now present back to you so that they may be used in the work of your kingdom on this earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. And now Lori is going to come forward. We invite our children to come forward for the children's moment. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you guys for your scouting and for serving today. That was so cool. Good morning. I'll let you have that. So we are starting a new series on faith. And we're going to learn a little bit about faith from a fish. Hmm. So I have a question. Have any of you ever gone fishing? You have? So what's some equipment that you might need if you were going to fish? Kara, what might you need? A fishing, pole. a fishing pole. What else might you need? Can you think of any other equipment, Sam? A toolbox. A toolbox, like a tackle box, yeah. Anything else if you're going to fish? Well, oh, you got it, yeah. Hooks. Hooks, hooks, yes, Kate. A worm. A worm, absolutely. And you know what else? Every good fisherman needs a good fishing hat. And once you have this, you're ready. But I have to tell you, in Jesus' day, they didn't actually fish the way we do, like with the big rod and reel. They used this net, like they'd go out on the boat, and they'd throw this net over the side, and then they would do what fishermen do best. They would sit and wait. And then they would pull the net in, and they'd get the fish out, and then they'd do it again and again. So one night, Peter and all the guys had been out fishing, two boats of them, the entire night long, guess how many fish they caught? Zero is right. Not a single stinking fish. Nada, nothing. They come back up to the shore. Both boats are there. They're cleaning the nets, and along come Jesus with a whole crowd of people behind him. Jesus gets in the boat, and he goes, come on, guys. So they go out away from shore just a little bit. Jesus finishes talking and teaching the people that had followed him, and then he goes, hey, Simon, let's go out into the deep and we'll catch you some fish. Now Simon's going, hmm, Jesus was a carpenter. You know, he's probably good with the hammer and the nails, maybe not so good with the nets. But he goes, throw your nets over to the right side and see what happens. So he used a little faith, threw those nets over to the right side of the boat. Guess what happened? Guess how many fish they caught. What do you think? One. Oh. <laughs> well, he guessed one. They caught so, Sam. A thousand. A thousand and more. They caught so many fish that the boat started to sink. And they had to get the other boat next to them. And then that started to sink. So they got back up to shore. Phew, just in time. And Jesus said, men, follow me. And you know what they did? Right then and there. They left everything, everything, and they followed Jesus. They had that much faith, because you know, sometimes faith is paying attention to how God provides for us today, and then 
we can trust him with tomorrow. So think about all the blessings of today. We all have nice clothes on. We had a bed to sleep in. We have parents who love us. We have a faith family who loves us. All of these blessings from God, which helps us to have faith and to trust him with tomorrow. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the many blessings. Give us that faith. Help us to trust you so that we follow you every step of the way. Amen. We are continuing in our sermon series on the Apostles' Creed, the love languages of God. And today we find ourselves in the second of the paragraphs of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And we are going to be looking at this important part of the Creed by focusing on a few texts from the New Testament, first from the, from the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 2 through 6, and then not printed in your bulletin, also 28 through 30. Hear the word of God. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the, deaf, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And then verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all of you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And then from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, the 11th verse and following, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not, know, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Be Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray that these words to come will point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. 
Now, before you jump to the conclusion, which I suspect my sermon title suggests, that I have sold out to the cultural forces and jumped onto the bandwagon of Super Bowl hype, allow me to defend myself. I'm quite aware that the Super Bowl is a product of entertainment with as much buildup and fanfare that precedes it steadily disappoints those of us who watch it. The truth is when people tune into something to simply watch the commercials, you know it can't be all that good. <laughs> Even the halftime show usually receives tepid reviews at best along with an R rating. Truth is, with as much hype that goes into the game, I bet less than a handful of us could name the last five Super Bowl winners. In case you're wondering, they are Baltimore, New York, Green Bay, New Orleans, and Pittsburgh. That should about satisfy just about every one of us. <laughs> Nevertheless, like many of you, I will be watching and hoping for something amazing, but since the New York Giants are not playing, I don't expect much. Actually, that's not true. The truth is, I do expect to see something amazing tonight, and that is the performance of one Peyton Manning. My apologies to you non-football fans who have no idea nor hardly care who Peyton Manning is, but bear with me because I think there's a point somewhere here. Peyton Manning is the quarterback for the Denver Broncos, and throughout the last few weeks, a great deal of discussion has centered around the judgment by most that Peyton Manning is one of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. Since his days of playing at Tennessee and then for the Indianapolis Colts and, Colts and now with the Denver Broncos after basically breaking his neck, Peyton Manning has consistently ranked as a quarterback above all quarterbacks. Not only is he a great quarterback, but he also appears to be a great guy, a gentleman's gentleman, a Presbyterian for that matter. <laughs> but the amazing thing about Peyton Manning, and boy, he better play a great game tonight or we won't have to worry about making many copies of this sermon. <laughs> the great thing about Peyton Manning is his ability to command his team. When the Denver Bronco offense trots onto the field and lines up for the signals, you know one thing, Peyton Manning is in charge. Every man on the field knows that it's Peyton Manning's ball, it is his offense, it is his decision, what needs to be done. He knows when it's best to hand it off, he knows when it's best to throw. If a different play needs to be called, he calls it. Not that he's a perfect quarterback, no, he makes mistakes, throws interceptions, loses a game here and there, but the truth is, Peyton Manning has earned a confidence from his teammates. Nobody from his team, say between second and third down, trots up to Peyton Manning and says, you know, can we like do it my way now? The offensive tackle is not telling Peyton Manning what next he should do. The wide receiver is not saying, how come you don't throw the ball to me? No, they, they, find, they find great order and comfort in his leadership. They are confident to take his direction and take power in the singularity of his voice. They are confident to take his direction and they take great power in the singularity of his voice. Boy, I sure hope he wins tonight. Now, as far as I can tell, Super Bowls and quarterbacks were not much on Jesus' radar. But there was an ongoing part of life and a symbol of leadership that he was very much tuned into. 
Surrounding Jesus, pretty much wherever he went, up and down the trails of Palestine, were flocks and flocks of sheep. Sheep herding was a big part of the life of Israel. Even today, when you travel through Israel, you're not surprised to see shepherds leading their flocks from pasture to pasture. Jesus had great interest in the life and the leadership of shepherds and the relationship they had to their flocks. There was, there was the way and the voice of the shepherd that assured the sheep. They knew where they were supposed to be. They knew what was supposed to happen. They knew they would be protected. They knew that the fertile pastures were soon to come because of the voice, the particular voice of the shepherd. It's an image found throughout the scriptures, the image of God as shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. So Jesus takes this metaphor then on to himself and tells his people that he is the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. It's just to say that to be in the flock of the good shepherd is to have confidence in his direction and power in the singularity of his voice. Confidence in his direction, comfort and power in the singularity of his voice. It is, I guess, what Jesus was saying when he said, come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. In other words, take my direction. Listen to my voice and learn from me, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the easiness and the lightness of the yoke comes when we are confident in the direction and take comfort and power in the singularity of his voice. The sheep easily and lightly go where the shepherd leads them because they are confident in his leadership and singularly focused on his voice. Years ago when I was involved in a young adult ministry, I was playing volleyball with a group of young parents, some of whom had their children playing there next to the volleyball court. And at one point in the game, the ball went bouncing beyond the court and out toward the street. And one of the children, a four-year-old son of one of the parents, went chasing after the ball. The ball was on its way to rolling into the street, and young Daniel was on his way into the street to chase it. And a few of us yelled for Daniel to stop, but he didn't stop. We yelled a little louder, but still he didn't stop. Finally, his father screamed in the sternest and loudest voice, Daniel, stop! And the boy stopped. He knew the voice. And the voice was there to protect him. The voice was there to keep him from harm. So John the Baptist, from the discouragement of a prison cell, sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the voice? Are you the voice? Are you the one, Jesus? Are you the shepherd? Are you the quarterback? Are, are you the one who will lead us? Are you the promised Messiah who will lead his people Israel? Are you the one in whose name people should be baptized? Are you the one whose commandments should be taught? 
Are you the one who will be with us to the close of the age? And Jesus says, well, see for yourself. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. In other words, John, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is on the move. The signal caller is calling the signals. The shepherd is leading the sheep to the green pasture. Be confident, John, in where we're going. Listen to the voice. And I suppose that's what we're saying when in the creed we say, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. We have, haven't we, when we say that, we have singled out the voice. We have pointed to the shepherd, the one named Jesus of Nazareth, and we say that this one is the only one. This one is the only Lord. This one is the shepherd, the signal caller. We take great confidence in the game plan. We take great confidence in the king of the kingdom. We take great confidence that the mission and purpose of life is bringing sight to the blind and helping the lame to walk and cleansing the sick and bringing good news to the poor. That when the ball advances up the field when we do these things and we believe that with Jesus' help we can do these things, that it's not about us. It's about the team called the church who have as its head the Lord Jesus Christ. In the great children's story, Prince Caspian, four children, two brothers and two sisters, are in this other world called Narnia. And at this point, Narnia is in some difficulty, and the children are trying to find their way to Prince Caspian to lend him aid in the battle against the evil forces. But they're having trouble, these four children, finding their way, and they're at a point where they don't know which way to go. And the youngest of the children, Lucy, sees in the distance the figure of Aslan, the, the great lion, the Christ figure in the story. And, and she can tell that Aslan wishes them to come toward him. But, but the path between them appears very perilous. Nevertheless, Lucy tells the children that she's seen Aslan and that they should go this very perilous way, but the others don't see the line, and so they're not going to take the chance. Instead, they go another way, Lucy included, and they get even further lost. And so at another point, Lucy, as the rest are sleeping, takes a walk, and she sees Aslan again, but this time face to face. And Aslan questions her. He wants to know why she didn't come when she saw him. And she says, well, it was because of the others. And, and Aslan says, well, wasn't it enough, having seen me, to come that way on your own? And, and Lucy tries to explain that the way seemed so dangerous and that she was afraid to trust in her instinct of trusting the lion and that, and that maybe it wasn't going to work out the way she would hope and Aslan gently reminds her of how much he is to be trusted. Finally, Lewis writes, 
Lucy buried her head in Aslan's mane to hide from his face. But there must have been magic in his mane. She could feel a lion's strength going into her. And quite suddenly she sat up. I'm sorry, Aslan, but I'm ready now. Said Aslan, now you're a lioness. And now all Narnia will be renewed. Confidence in the direction. Power in the single voice. I know my own, says Jesus. And my own know me. For I am the good shepherd. The one who lays down his life for the sheep. The one who brings good news to the poor. The one who knows the way. Who calls the signals. Who gives power to be lions and lionesses. For I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord.
gather at table to hear again the one voice. The one voice who invites us to come to this table. Who invites us to come and feast at this wonderful feast of the kingdom of heaven. Who invites us to participate again in his sacrifice. Who invites us to wonder again at how much we are loved. That the shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. We come to know again that we're forgiven, that we are given another chance, and to know that there's only one who can say that, only one can say that, and that is Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. So come to the feast, know that you're forgiven, know that you're loved, know that you are a part of God's flock, and be filled with the Holy Spirit such that you may go into the world to be his light. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink of this, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. Bless, O Lord, this meal, that we may know that you are the host. And we ask, O Lord, that you will allow these common elements to become for us the feast of the kingdom, the gifts of grace and mercy, and that we would sense the communion of the Holy Spirit in our midst, that we would know of your presence, that we would be empowered to be your people in the world, trusting in you, having confidence in you, listening only to your voice. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup. Thank you. 
Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I am the bread of life, says the Lord. Those who come to me shall never hunger. Those who believe in me shall never thirst. Those who come to me I will in no way cast out. For blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. One of the beautiful things about communion we share, you'll notice each month, is the basket that is in front of the table. It is a reminder that there are those in our church family who are not able to be with us physically, but that our deacons and elders following this service will take these elements, this spread and this cup out into the community to reach those in our uh, church family who aren't with us this morning. And so as we pray our praises to God today, let us do so remembering those who will partake of this meal later on this afternoon. Let us pray. Oh God, you are good. We praise you for your gracious invitation together as brothers and sisters in Christ, a family of faith around this, your table. By the work of your Holy Spirit within us, may these elements, this common bread, and this simple cup of the vine be true spiritual food for us and reminders of the good shepherd who has laid down his life for us. Tune our ears, tune our spirits so that we might recognize and follow your voice, our Savior, our Shepherd, our Lord and our King, to whom all honor and praise and glory are due. We lift up these prayers in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.